So President Trump says he does not know what the mystery whistleblower complaint is about or who it is, but he, but he does know it's ridiculous and partisan and that the person is a hack. The lead starts right now. Breaking news, brand new reporting in the Wall Street Journal on the mystery ex- explaining that President Trump directly asked the Ukrainian president eight times to investigate Joe Biden and his son. A close-up look at the destruction that impacted oil prices worldwide as CNN teen on the ground in Saudi Arabia as President Trump claims he's, quote, showing great restraint by not attacking Iran. Plus, the global strike over the planet, what could be the biggest day of climate demonstrations in world history. We'll talk to the Trump administration official who resigned in protest over the crisis. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We start with breaking news in our politics lead. President Trump urging the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden's son, Hunter, multiple times. That's according to The Wall Street Journal in a breaking news story just minutes ago. Sources telling the journal that President Trump made the request about eight times on a July phone call and told the president of Ukraine to work with Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney, who just last night admitted to asking the Ukrainians to investigate Biden. CNN's Caitlin Collins joins me now live from the White House with this breaking news. Caitlin, what are we learning? Well, Jake, the president today said he did not he did not deny discussing Joe Biden during his last known phone call with the president of Ukraine. That was a phone call that came at the end of July. But now the Wall Street Journal is reporting that during that phone call, about eight times, the president pressured the Ukrainian president to work with his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who you saw on our air last night on a probe looking into Joe Biden, because according to the journal, the president told the Ukrainian president that people in, Wa- in Washington wanted to know if those allegations were true or not. That comes after just hours ago in the Oval Office, the president said he didn't know if it was that phone call that prompted a whistleblower to complain. President Trump's second state visit overshadowed today as he faced questions about a whistleblower's complaint. He made an alarming commitment to a foreign leader. It's just another uh, political hack job. That's all it is. The president accused the whistleblower of being political, but conceded he doesn't know who it is. I don't know the identity of the whistleblower. I just hear it's a partisan person. He blasted the complaint as ridiculous, even though he hasn't seen it. No, I haven't. Everybody's read it. They laugh at it. And he maintained all his conversations have been above board. It was a totally appropriate conversation. But he said he's not sure which one the whistleblower is talking about. We'll figure it out. You're supposed to be the media. Figure it out. Asked if Congress will get to see the complaint, Trump waved away the question. There is nothing. It's nothing. While he downplayed the matter, the president didn't deny discussing Joe Biden with the Ukrainian leader. It doesn't matter what I discuss, but I will say this. Somebody ought to look into Joe Biden's statement. That's exactly what his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was going to do before canceling a trip to Ukraine earlier this year after facing backlash. Giuliani wanted to discuss Biden's potential role in the government's dismissal of a prosecutor investigating his son. And in a rambling appearance on CNN Thursday night, Giuliani denied, then admitted seconds later, he asked the Ukrainian government to investigate the family. No, actually, I didn't. I asked the Ukraine to investigate the allegations that there was interference in the election of 2016 by the Ukrainians for the benefit of Hillary Clinton 
for which there already is a you court never asked finding. anything about Hunter Biden. You never asked anything about Joe Biden. The only and his thing role I asked about Joe Biden is to get to the bottom of how it was that Lutsenko, who was appointed, right. dismissed the case against Antac. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden. Of course I did. You just said you didn't. The conversations Giuliani did have with Ukrainian officials, including the president's representative, are now under investigation by three different House committees who are demanding information while some Republicans say it's overblown. I think there are people in the intelligence community and other parts of our government who just have it out for the president. Now, Jake, we should note that this report about President Trump pushing the Ukrainian president is published in The Wall Street Journal. That's a paper backed by Rupert Murdoch, who is a close ally of the president. And all of this is coming just days before the president is scheduled to sit down with the Ukrainian president in New York next week, a meeting that the White House confirmed is still on today. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House with the breaking news. Thanks so much. CNN's Alex Marquardt has been digging into the president's communications with Ukraine. It was a long list of foreign leaders that President Trump communicated with in the weeks before the whistleblower spoke up. But the Washington Post reports that the complaint, which the intelligence community inspector general says is of urgent concern, centers on Ukraine, which the president has had controversial dealings with. Just two and a half weeks before the complaint was filed on August 12th, the president spoke with his Ukrainian counterpart, Trump today insisting it was all above board. I've had conversations with many leaders that are always appropriate. At the time, the White House said the two presidents discussed strengthening the relationship without giving specifics. But Ukraine said they talked about the investigation of corruption cases, which inhibited the interaction between Ukraine and the USA. In May, the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, said he was going to Ukraine to push the new president to investigate Joe Biden and his son's links to a gas company. He canceled the trip, but then in July went to Madrid to meet with an aide to President Zelensky to talk about Biden. Then the next month, $250 million in military aid for Ukraine was put on hold by the White House. On September 1st, Vice President Mike Pence met with Zelensky. When asked about the efforts to get dirt on Joe Biden, the vice president danced around it. As President Trump had me made clear, we have great concerns about uh, issues of corruption. And fortunately, President Zelensky was elected uh, decisively on an anti-corruption message. Whatever the alleged promise that the whistleblower says the president reportedly made, Democrats in Congress are vowing to get to the bottom of those claims. They deserve a thorough investigation. That's what we're um, intent on doing. And come hell or high water, that's what we're going to do. Chairman Adam Schiff also saying today there's a real sense of urgency about this whistleblower complaint that cannot wait. He's also looking into legal options that he could take in court if they aren't given access to that complaint. Now, the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, is due to testify in front of Schiff's House Intelligence Committee next Thursday and will have to explain why the White House and Department of Justice have told him not to hand that complaint over. Jake. Alex Marquardt, and we should note that that money to Ukraine, the $250 million, has been approved. Thanks so much, Alex. Let's discuss with Steve Hall, the former CIA chief of Russian operations, and Elliot Williams, who worked as a federal prosecutor in the Justice Department. So first, I want to take a step back. The Wall Street Journal is saying that in that phone call, uh, there was no offer of a quid pro quo. In other words, President Trump was saying to Ukraine, $250 million, he was not saying to, to, to Ukraine $250 million in foreign aid depends on you uh, investigating the Bidens. But 
he was talking about the Bidens, and that $250 million was obviously something that everybody knew. It was outstanding. Take a listen to what Rudy Giuliani, the president's attorney, who is part of this whole Ukraine thing, said on CNN to Chris Cuomo. The reality is that the president of the United States, whoever he is, has every right to tell the president of another country, Mm -hmm. you better straighten out the corruption in your country if you want me to give you a lot of money. Now, he was not saying that that happened, Elliot, but he was providing kind of a defense, a potential preemptive defense of the idea of if President Trump did say root out corruption, and we know that his definition of corruption is find out dirt on my political (laughs) opponents, um, that he's allowed to do that. Uh, And even if he wanted to tie the money, even though the Wall Street Journal says that did not happen on the phone call, according to the source. Is this against the law if he did, if there was a direct quid pro quo? That's tiny sliver in which Rudy Giuliani has a point is that the president of the United States has broad latitude to conduct the foreign affairs of the United States. Now, if he's actually, if he's specifically exchanging something for a presidential action, if you do X, then I will give you foreign aid. You know, that's a criminal offense. That's honest service uh, and on, what's called an honest services violation. What if it's vague? What if it's like we can have a better relationship if you root out corruption? And let me tell you about corruption. The Bidens are corrupt, blah, 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 blah. If it's if it's kind of hinted at, but not expressly said. Hey, Congress, are you listening? Yeah, to like paraphrase that. The, to paraphrase the president, honestly, then it becomes a question of, is this a violation of the president's oath of office? Is he uh, using the power of the presidency to influence and frankly to go after his political rivals, which he's already demonstrated that he's willing to do, and he did with the Clintons, uh, Hillary Clinton post, uh, mm. post her election. So, um, you know, this is a question for Congress, both for oversight and if it reaches that point, impeachment. That's, that's, the, that's the remedy here, Steve. If, if having worked in intelligence for so long, if somebody in the intelligence community, because we do not know yet 100 percent what this whistleblower was alarmed about. But if a whistleblower heard a president of the United States pressuring a foreign leader who desperately wanted hundreds of millions of dollars from the United States in foreign aid, pressuring that person to give him dirt uh, on a potential political opponent, would that alarm the average intelligence analyst to the point that they would try to file a whistleblower complaint and, and go to Congress? Yeah, I would certainly see how it could. Uh, you know, there's a lot of conversations going on now about how this is a partisan, you know, move on some intelligence officer. I, you know, I don't know how many times the deep state thing is ridiculous. Uh, career intelligence officers like myself, you know, we're never political in our jobs. And this whole idea that this is somehow a partisan thing seems to be con- is just ridiculous. I have served for 30 years in the intelligence community. I never knew of a whistleblower. It's a very dangerous thing to do, despite the legislation to protect them. But it can have real negative impacts on your career. So that's that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. To top it all off, the inspector general seems to agree. Remember, the inspector, one of the inspector general's roles is to weed out policy differences. Intelligence officers are taught from day one. You provide intelligence to policymakers. You cannot be what's referred to as policy prescriptive. You can't suggest policies. You can't really comment on policies. So it's just not something that's done. And if, if a whistleblower saw something like that, I can certainly see how he or she would be concerned enough to go ahead and, and file that, that whistleblower complaint. And Steve, one of the arguments uh, that the Trump White House is making uh, in order to try to shut down this whistleblower uh, and keep him or her from talking to Congress or congressional leaders or even having the complaint shared with them is this is not an intelligence matter. Um, is it an intelligence matter? 
You know, I think we need to know more about the phone call and precisely what was said before we know specifically whether it was an, an intelligence matter or not. But again, you know, the IG has said this is a valid complaint from inside the intelligence community. When the White House comes back and says the Constitution gives broad powers to the president to run foreign policy, which is absolutely true, I think you still have to ask yourself, OK, does that mean the president can say absolutely anything he wants to a foreign government? I don't think so. This 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 president has a particularly bad record. Go back to the Oval Office comments where he shared sensitive information with the Russian foreign minister has a terrible reputation, you know, for saying the wrong thing to foreign leaders. So, you know, that's that's what the real issue is. And I think that's what what's going to be focused on here. And, and uh, also, I mean, the idea that the inspector general for the intelligence community has deemed this threat to be or deemed this whistleblower complaint to be uh, urgent, incredible, and also underlined this has to do with the overall uh, definition of what the intelligence community is supposed to be doing, in other words, protecting the national security of the United States. Just to piggyback on Steve's point, these are intelligence community officers and officials are the least partisan and political people. And this is an individual who devotes his entire career to answering these very questions of is something, uh, you know, a credible threat? Is this, uh, you know, a gross violation or whatever? And so we sh- we ought to give that certainly far more credence than the political people who have taken this over to some extent in the administration. So absolutely, when he uh, when he felt in or sort of established that something seemed to miss, I think he's entitled to some um, uh, to some deference there. And I think, um, yes, there we go. Well, the inspector yeah. general is almost something right. of a whistleblower himself right, right now. He's, he's launched a complaint that the Trump administration is keeping him uh, from doing his job. Steve Hall, Ellie William, thank, thank you so much for your expertise. As the world wonders about the contents of this alleged call with a foreign leader, the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, claims he's only heard some rumors about it. Really? That's next. Breaking news in our politics lead the Wall Street Journal reporting just moments ago that President Trump asked the Ukrainian president to investigate Joe Biden's son, Hunter, around eight times during a July phone call. President Trump was asked twice today if he asked the Ukrainian government to investigate his political rivals, the Bidens. Take a listen to his answers. Did you discuss Joe Biden, his son, or his family with the leader? Uh, it doesn't matter what I discussed, but I will say this. Somebody ought to look into Joe Biden's statement because it was disgraceful. Did well, you mention Joe Biden during the conversation? I don't want to talk about any conversation other than to say, other than to say, uh, great conversation, totally appropriate conversation, uh, couldn't have been better. Uh, we should point out that this reporting about President Trump talking to Ukraine comes from a Rupert Murdoch-backed newspaper, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Murdoch obviously seen as a close ally of the president. Let's chew over all this with our panel. Jane, let me start with you. The president says uh, that it doesn't matter what I discussed. It matters quite a bit. It does matter. It's interesting, though, because there's what matters politically and what matters legally. Legally, he's on a slightly firmer ground. There's been some really interesting writing in terms of like what you can actually ask someone to do for you. If there was if there's no evidence of quid pro quo, he's on firmer legal grounds with regard to this. But politically, it looks really bad. And I think that you're going to hear a lot of people, specifically some folks on the right, talking about like, well, this is actually good for Trump because it means we can focus in on Hunter <laughs> Biden. Right. But there's a sense of like, 
you know, Trump does this. Trump has called for an investigation into virtually everyone and everything with which with whom he finds objectionable. And so you heard the same thing when he was tweeting about Jeffrey Epstein and the Clintons or something like that. This just is kind of more par for the course. But I can't really see an argument how this is actually a winning argument for him to be asking eight times in one phone call, which is that's a lot of times to be asking anyone for anything, a one phone call. That's but, a lot of times. But we already know from early on when the president was asked by George Stephanopoulos in an interview, you know, if you were going to get information from a foreign entity on a, you know, an opponent, was that be, would that be okay? And he said, yeah, I would take that. That'd be fine. So we know this man has no scruples. And, you know, I was thinking about this, Jake, in the context of the previous 10 days that we went through on the dang map, right, about... Uh, Alabama and the hurricane. And you have to believe that a man who is willing to not only do that, but to then talk about it for eight days and actually force an agency to put out misinformation to correct, to make sure that he looked okay. Who knows what he did? Who, who, I mean, of course, it's very believable. And it's believable that not only, and also given the pattern that we've seen with them, where they just throw lots of stuff out there and let the rest of us try to, you know, you know, take it apart and figure out, okay, well, what's legal? What's not legal? What's political? Of course he did it. And and Kevin, uh, the the journal reports that he does, that they do not think that their sources do not think that President Trump brought up the $250 million in foreign aid that Ukraine wanted uh, on that phone call where eight times he talked about Hunter Biden and how they should investigate him. But that obviously is the context of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ukraine wanted that money and the Congress and the president had been holding it back. Um, I guess that maybe that makes him on legally firmer ground, but it's still pretty damning, no? Yeah, but, you know, I've, Jane said something, I think, you, you were joking before, and you're saying, like, Republicans see this as a good thing. I think right. that's probably right. That, or that, that's, not, that's going too far. But I would say, they're not afraid of this. They, want, they wouldn't mind this fight. Because if you, if you think about it, first of all, like, it, it, I know it's the new Washington scandal, but it is settling into all of the, the, the typical, like, uh, sequence that we see of all the old Washington scandals for, with this president, which is it starts to divide along partisan lines. Mm-hmm. The White House quickly in, uh, engages in combat with its uh, opponents on the left and uh, the media. And then they point to the fact that and then they keep bringing up the fact that Biden has um, something here to disprove in a way that will ultimately tar their political opponents. So you're going to see them do that over and over again. So, you know, and, and I think the other thing is usually you would see something like this sort of send a panic through the allies up on Capitol Hill. <laughs> They're perfectly willing to defend the president on this. In fact, uh, take a listen uh, to uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, talking. This is a, a question four, uh, talking talking about um, what he uh, his response to it all. He said, quote, he this is talking about the whistleblower. He could have come to Congress. Who is the whistleblower? Is he still working? Because I don't know anything about him. I've heard rumors it's somebody who left. Why did he leave? And now this comes up. I'm concerned about the video I've seen with Joe Biden influencing someone who was fired in Ukraine. So, I mean, that's the response of the Republican House leader. First of all, he could have come to Congress. The White House is preventing the whistleblower from coming to Congress. Does he really not know that? He definitely knows that. But (laughs) this is a GOP playbook. You sort of muddy the waters. People at home aren't following the play-by-play on this. So you just sort of say there's something mysterious about Joe Biden. I don't know why this whistleblower didn't come to Congress. Who is he? The president says he's partisan. You tar the whistleblower. You sort of put out negative messages about Joe Biden. And you don't focus so much on the underlying charge, which is that the president said something in the Wall Street Journal reporting. He basically 
called for an investigation of his political opponent by a foreign government and not only called for it once, but eight times said that this needed to happen while also withholding you know, millions of dollars of, of military aid from the same country. So that underlying charge, that original charge gets lost in the message while the, the Republicans sort of change the focus, change the narrative, and the president sort of goes on, on offense and, and change, make, makes this mo- much more of a muddied water situation. That's and, the playbook. And just real quick, like Giuliani's defense right. last night <laughs> the president. Yeah. Was, 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 that's a perfect summary of it, which is it's not so much about arguing the facts or the details. It is showcase combat with the media, showcase combat with the president's critics, and again, bring up the, 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 the uh, allegations against Joe Biden over and over, over again. And over and over and over again. And, and also, like, acting as if it's normal. And, and the definition of normalizing, as, a, as a, a vice reporter said earlier on Twitter today, the definition of normalizing is like acting as if this is, this is what presidents do. But it, I think the, the role that the media plays in normalization is that we, we can get out in front of it. I think that there's a sense that I think there are a lot of people on the right who, even if they're not Trump supportive, there's an idea that everything about Trump is baked in. Everyone knows that he's sketchy. Everyone knows about this. There are many millions of people who don't know who have no idea of the impact that some of this is taking. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about border wall funding. They, people don't know about how much that is pulling from needed military updates. And so I think that there's a sense where, yes, it's becoming normalized, but normalization only happens when we let it. All right. Everyone stick around. We've got more to talk about. Uh, former Vice President Biden just responded to President Trump and the Ukraine news. That's next day with us. These are the highest sanctions ever imposed on a country. We've never done it to this level. And it's too bad what's happening with Iran. It's going to hell. We're going to continue with the Ukraine story in a second. But first, uh, President Trump today announced what he called, quote, the highest level of sanctions on Iran because of the attacks on Saudi oil plants. The president meeting with the National Security Council today to discuss options, insisting that he has showed great restraint by not doing what he calls the easiest thing, using the military option. CNN's Dick Robertson got a first-hand look at one of the oil facilities that was attacked in Saudi Arabia. Nick? Yeah, Jake, I mean, it's pretty astounding when you get there. This was ground zero. Uh, and what really strikes you, we went to Abcake and Kares. Abcake is the world's largest oil refinery, a massive facility, yet 18 drones were able to target 18 different small pieces of equipment there. And that's what really struck me, that you have these long lines of, of towers uh, in, inside the plant and the drones hit them really precisely. This was sophisticated, it was coordinated, um, and it was designed to take down some of the key elements at the early stages of the refining process. But that's the clue here. I mean, that is really the clue, because what what was taken down in these strikes is going to be relatively easily repaired. The fires were put out within a couple of hours. Aramco, the company that owns this property and the oil that's coming out of the ground there, um, was proud of that fact. But the reality was that these strikes, and, and Aramco and the Saudi leadership know this, could have targeted huge oil storage facilities, could have targeted areas that, or oil wells themselves that could have burned for days and days and days and not been so easily contained. So this was huge. It was big. It'll be relatively, relatively easy for the government to get it back up and running to full speed by the end of the month, they say. But then that leaves the even bigger question and the harder problem, rebuilding international faith that this was a one-off strike 
are not a precursor to the beginning of a wider war. So this site, uh, huge. The impression left on us by, the, by what we saw, huge. But the reality of what this means for the Saudis going forward, even bigger, more staggering. All right, Nick Robertson, thanks so much. Uh, some breaking news for you now. Joe Biden reacting to President Trump's comments concerning the former VP and Ukraine and his son, Hunter Biden. That story next. Stay with us. Breaking news. Former Vice President Joe Biden responded just moments ago to President Trump's comments and also the Wall Street Journal breaking story uh, about the Ukraine phone call with President Trump. Take a listen to Biden. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Not one single credible outlet has given any credibility to his assertion. Not one single one. And so I have no comment except the president should start to uh, be president. All right, uh, let's chew over all this. Uh, Your response? Uh, Hey, if you are leading in the Democratic primary because people think you're the guy who can take on Donald Trump, you want to be attacked by Donald Trump. And I think he did fine. I just I think I would worry if I were a Biden supporter that this is essentially waving a red flag at the Trump folks and that what happens is it wouldn't it won't be because uh, they they don't think anything is there, but it'd be because he he is not going to be well positioned to be the most authentic progressive to combat Donald Trump. But that's not but in the context of what's happening today, being attacked and having a back and forth with Trump in the next couple of days about this, I think that's a good that's what you want. And I think within a couple hours. They'll probably have a more robust response. I think it's, going to, have a little it's, fun going, with it. it's going to invite more aggression, definitely from the White House. I'm actually surprised, That's Jane, good. that uh, that Biden wasn't more like offended, not about the going after his son Hunter, but at the the idea of the president on trying to get a foreign leader to I, dig up dirt on him and his son. I think that'll be the focus of his upcoming remarks because you did get that kind of sense that the president should be busy being president. And I think that there's a sense that if you are supportive of Joe Biden, and we see this in the numbers. It very much is a like Joe Biden promises a return to normalcy where this wasn't what we did all day. And I think that if that is your if that's your pitch, if you're Joe Biden and then you spend most of your time having Donald Trump yell at you about various things and allegedly calling a foreign government to try and get information on your family and you keep making the. I'm normal. We'll go back to the way things used to be when you didn't really have to think about the president all that much. I'm normal pitch. I think that that could prove to be surprisingly effective. I think that the ins and outs of these scandals are the kind of things that we'll discuss and that people who are involved in politics will discuss. But I think the existence of scandal and the existence of whose name is first involved in it really matters to voters. But I also think that there are a lot of voters who aren't going to change their minds one way or another based on one particular scandal or another. But they're basically saying, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of all of this. I am tired of the president of the United States taking up such a large swath of my mental of my mental space. And I think that Biden's response is very much like, why isn't the president off presidenting? I think it is worthwhile from his Mm -hmm. perspective. And to Lou, I want to play some sound from President Trump uh, talking earlier today. He didn't deny that he had talked with the president of Ukraine uh, about um, the about about Joe Biden and his son. Um, but he he did say, uh, quote, I don't know the identity of the whistleblower. I just hear it's a partisan person, meaning it comes from another party. But I don't have an idea. But I can say that it was a totally appropriate conversation. It was actually a beautiful conversation. <laughs> now we know that the conversation was was at least a big chunk of it was about I need you to investigate you know, my potential rival's son. 
Right. And even when the president was saying it was a beautiful conversation, he wasn't acknowledging which conversation he was talking about. He was just saying all my conversations were appropriate. And I know that other people are on the calls that I have with foreign leaders and I'd never say anything inappropriate. I think one thing that's going to be very important is how Democrats respond to this. You see the response from Joe Biden, but Democrats actually have power to hold the president accountable in the House, whether or not they just decide to keep sending you know, nasty letters or whether they actually take action to hold the president responsible for what a, num- a growing number of Democrats are saying are impeachable offenses. You're seeing some of that angst within the party with certain Democrats saying we should be doing more than what we're doing right but now. But I do think people are going to stay focused, certainly Adam Schiff, on and whether or not this is the conversation that the whistleblower was referring to, that is something they're not going to let go because there is a precedent there. I mean, the whole point of having a whistleblower law is so that you can come forward and raise your hand and say, I'm concerned about something. And so the obstruction that we're seeing from the White House and the and the Justice Department, that can't stand. So that one, I think for sure they're going to have to keep pursuing. I also think that this is definitely a who can rid me of this meddlesome priest kind of moment. And those tend to those tend to end poorly for everyone involved. But I also think that, you know, we're going to learn a lot more over the coming days and weeks about the ins and outs of this story. But I do think that, you know, the entire point of this one, you know, when you've heard from Republican leaders saying, why when we heard this in Congress? Well, the White House is why we haven't heard this in Congress. And if the White House is so very interested in getting to the bottom of who this person is and what the story is, then let them testify before Congress and then we can all learn together. There will be. There'll be more investigations. You're all you're all right on that. And um, the White House is going to simply say, there they go again. And uh, and just for those who didn't get Jane's literary reference of who will rid me of this, <laughs> the idea that the president said uh, somebody ought to look into Joe Biden's statement, somebody ought to look into all of this, an invitation for Ukraine or somebody to drop the dirt. Someone. Russia, if you're the listening. Russia, Russia yeah. China. Russia, if you're listening, exactly. Thanks, one and all. More than one million New York City students were given permission to skip school today. We'll explain why next. Look at that. You're looking at uh, live pictures right now from New York City, Hong Kong, New Delhi, Johannesburg, Bangkok and Sydney, Australia. Part of our breaking news in our Earth Matters series, a massive show of solidarity today with huge global protests. Protesters wanting to protect the planet, millions of young people and activists demanding action from their governments on the climate crisis. This is happening in 139 countries in what might be the largest environmental demonstration in the history of the world. CNN's Bill Weir is with protesters in New York City right now. Bill, what what are you seeing on the ground there? Well, right behind me, uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, the very famous Swedish teenager, is speaking to the crowd to chants of Greta, huge cheers. Fans even in the trees as she actually puts the numbers here in New York City to 250,000 a day and over 4 million worldwide. Uh, Those are the organizers' numbers yet to be confirmed uh, officially, but no doubt this has grown exponentially since last summer, since she first sat in front of the parliament in Stockholm, uh, Sweden, and demanding the country start meeting the Paris Accord targets. That would be about a 15% reduction in CO2 a year, which is a massive lift for the richest countries in the world. And yet, I talked to so many kids uh, here today who are so frustrated with the lack of urgency and what they res- what resonates the most from uh, young Miss Thunberg is her or Thunberg is her just clear-eyed, brutal, blunt honesty, and in a way that isn't condescending or insulting, but that connects with them. Uh, so they say this is just the beginning. Unlike uh, protest marches that happen once a year, this is a weekly thing for a lot of these kids, and it looks like today, Jake, their numbers grew big time. 
All right, Bill, we're in New York City with uh, environmental protesters and young activists. Thanks so much. Joining me now is former State Department senior intelligence analyst Rod Schoonover. He quit his job this summer after the White House blocked his written testimony warning of the, quote, potentially catastrophic effects of human-caused climate change from being delivered to Congress. They didn't want to let him uh, do that. Thank you so much for being here, Rod. What was so damning in your remarks that the White House didn't want you to share it? So uh, thanks for having me here. Um, The nature of the risk assessment that my bureau uh, prepared for Congress was first to assess the risk from, to characterize the risk from climate change, and then to talk about the implications from climate change. And so part of the risk assessment, the characterization uh, on climate change is necessarily based on climate science. And so it was that uh, inclusion of climate science drawn from federal science agencies like NASA, NOAA, the U.S. Global Change Research Program, National Academies of Science, drawn from that scientific uh, basis, uh, the, the inclusion of the science in this testimony uh, was, uh, was... That's what offended. Stated, yeah. So, in your view, how dangerous is it that we now have a White House that is uh, trying to block the presentation of science by government officials like yourself, former government official mm-hmm. now, to Congress? Well, I mean, it's certainly unusual. Um, this was the House Intelligence Committee asking for an assessment on climate change from one of the 16 elements of the U.S. intelligence community. Uh, it's very unusual um, for any kind of White House interference in that relationship. And so it was... Uh, I, I think, rather un, unprecedented uh, for this uh, in, uh, intervention. How many people do you think there are in the Trump administration, still in the Trump administration, who are experts on climate science, experts on the climate crisis, worried that President Trump is not only doing nothing, but actually making the matter worse in their view, uh, but they're not resigning, they're not coming forward? Um, that's hard for me to judge. The government is quite large. Yeah, there's a lot people. Of, there's yeah. a lot of... Uh, people, scientists devoted to studying climate change. So I would say that it's a significant number. All right, Rod Schoonover, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Some breaking news. The frightening video just in of a car driving through a mall in Illinois. That story next. Breaking news in our national lead. Sheer panic in an Illinois shopping mall this afternoon as video shows a person driving an SUV inside the mall. Source telling CNN that the car made it to the center court of the mall in Schaumburg, about 30 miles outside of Chicago. Police have one suspect in custody. Officials say there are no reports of injuries so far. And we have more breaking news in our sports lead. The New England Patriots have released wide receiver Antonio Brown amid an investigation into sexual assault accusations from his former trainer, Brittany Taylor. The Patriots releasing a statement saying, quote, We appreciate the hard work of many people over the past 11 days, but we feel that it is best to move in a different direction at this time. Calls for Brown to be removed from the Patriots roster have been growing. Nike dropped his endorsement deal just yesterday. Brown tweeting just moments ago, thanks for the opportunity. Brown has denied the allegations made against him by his former trainer. In our politics lead, the Trump administration reversing course today and announcing It will allow undocumented immigrants to apply to stay in the United States if they have a severe medical condition and are relying 
on medical treatment here in the U.S. The Trump administration originally decided to end that process this summer. It sparked a massive outcry and an emergency hearing on Capitol Hill where various impacted children essentially begged Congress and the Trump administration for their lives. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. If I go back to Honduras, I will die. One undocumented immigrant, Maria Isabel Bueso, tells CNN, quote, while we have not received any official confirmation that our deferred action case will be approved, we are cautiously optimistic about this news, unquote. And of course, we have even more breaking news today in our politics lead. President Trump urged the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden's son multiple times in a phone call earlier this summer, according to The Wall Street Journal, in a breaking news story just about an hour ago. Sources telling the journal that President Trump made the request about eight times on that July phone call and told Ukraine to work with Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney, who just last night admitted to Chris Cuomo on CNN that he asked the Ukrainians to investigate Biden. Joe Biden just responded to all of this. Take a listen. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Not one single credible outlet has given any credibility to his assertion. Not one single one. And so I have no comment except the president should start to uh, be president. Tune into CNN Sunday morning for State of the Union. I will be talking exclusively to the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Democrat Adam Schiff, about all of this. Plus, we're going to have Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin to talk about new sanctions on Iran and the U.S. economy. It's 9 a.m. and noon Eastern on Sunday. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Thank you for watching. I'll see you Sunday morning. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.